0: I love that harmony. Boy, they do such a great job. Really do. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, this morning you're going to get um, the kinder, gentler Jeff when it comes to preaching, I think, because I lost my voice this week. And uh, made it through the first service. I was very calm through the first service till the end, and then, you know, it, I just can't help it. So I may be talking with my hands a lot more than, you know, the the, the voice going up, but we'll see. One, it was only second service, so I can just do it and lose it and worry about it next week. Um, the doctor said that... Uh, Nothing real medical was going on, but I don't believe that. It has nothing to do with me talking too much. It really has to do. It's got to be something medical that made me lose my voice because it certainly wasn't that Jeff Greer talks too much. Um, This morning, we're continuing our series, Inside Out. I love this series. I love this series because I love what it's doing to our church, Uh, the lives that are being transformed, the lives that are being changed, the people who are really looking at themselves, including the leadership of the church, all of us together looking at ourselves and saying, God, change me change me, help me become the person you've created me to be. And this morning, we're going to continue in our series, Inside Out. Last week, we talked about why we should change. Why is it so important that we change? If you didn't get like a pencil, uh, made-on-purpose pencil, or if you weren't here again last, last week, make sure you go out to the Welcome Center. We have those pencils. We have some of the, uh, the CDs from last week. You can listen to the sermon. You can get your pencil. You can be all caught up. Um, So last week we talked about why we should change, and this morning I want to focus more of our attention on what that change should look like. What does that change look like? We talk about making a change, transforming into the image of Christ, but what does that change look like? Now we need to start by asking the question, what is the goal of the Christian life? Simple question. What is our goal as Christians? What is the goal of the Christian life? In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, it says this, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. But then how do we become more like Jesus Christ? That's, you know, all right, that's the goal of the Christian life, to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. But how do we do that? Well, I want you to look at the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. Lays it out for us. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In this verse, we learn how, how it's possible that we can reach our ultimate goal of becoming more like God's Son, Jesus Christ. So this verse kind of lays it out for us, and I want to take the verse apart this morning. The Christian life is about transformation. The Christian life is about transformation. Paul says we are all being transformed into his likeness. The, The word transformed comes from the Greek word metamorpho. Metamorpho. And metamorpho basically means to change into another form, to transform, to be transformed, to be transfigured. So we have this transformation, this changing into another form. The word metamorphosis is, 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 comes from, from this word, the idea that we they talk about being a metamorphosis. And it's where we, we, how we talk about a, a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. We get this word metamorphosis, as you just saw so that's what we're talking about here this metamorphosis this this change this transformation this transfiguration it's this word describes this metamorpho word describes it And we also we also use this word to describe describe Jesus transfiguration in Matthew chapter seventeen verses one and two. In Matthew chapter seventeen verse two, it tells us that Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Believers are to undergo this transformation as well. That is so exciting to me. I, I'm sorry, but that is one of the, that is my and your top three things I love about Christianity. I love the, the fact that we are being transformed, that we're going to go through this transformation as well, that the Jeff Greer that was uh, 25 or 30 years ago that people knew is not the same Jeff Greer stands before you now, and 20 years from now, a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 15, 30, 100, whatever the case may be, if I live that long, I will be a different person. I'm going to be transformed, I'm sorry, that is terribly exciting. You may be feeling like a caterpillar this morning, you may be you may feel like you're, you're crawling around like a caterpillar, you're not seeing much change, but change is coming. Change is coming to your life, and that means you can, you can have hope. God is going to continually transform you, God is going to continually change you. Change is coming. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our transformation allows us to test and approve the perfect will of God. It's amazing. Do you want to understand the will of God? Do you want to understand God's will? then you need to be transformed. You need to change. If you want to understand the will of God, you need to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. It's as simple as this. The more like Jesus you become, the more you will understand the will of God. Not rocket science. Our vision is that we are a global community of Christ followers, awakening imagination, igniting passion, and unleashing purpose. Do you want to know what your purpose is here on earth? Do you want to know why God made you, why God created you, and why, you, why you're here? What is your purpose? you want to know what your purpose is? If you want to know what your purpose is, you need to have a Christ-centered mind. You need to focus your attention on becoming more like His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, as I've grown in my faith, a couple of things I've realized. It is so much more important for me to stop and listen to God. It's so much more important for me to wait on the Lord, to spend time to be still, just to be still and know that He is God, to be still and listen to His voice, to be still. And instead of doing for God, it's more important for me just to be listening to God. Instead of accomplishing for God, instead of doing all the talking, I should be doing a lot of listening to God. The older I get in my faith, the older I get, the more mature I get in my faith. The more I realize I need to spend more time listening to God, less time talking to Him, and more time listening to Him. Less time asking Him and telling him what I want with my life and how I should do that. And what, what what I would I like to accomplish and more time just listening to what God is saying to me. The more we mature as believers in Jesus Christ, the more we listen to God. That listening is so important. You need to listen to his voice. I love, this, I love this, these verses in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. It says this. We sometimes think God is going to speak to us in giant loud, and here's how he's going to come, and here's how he's going to present himself. It says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake became a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. God speak to us, speaks to us in gentle whispers, most of the time we need to be quiet. We need to listen to God speaking to our hearts. You know, it's it's hard to hear God when you won't stop and listen. It's hard to hear God when you're looking for Him in all the wrong places. And I'll tell you what else. It's hard to hear God when you're in all the wrong places and you're not listening for God. You know, it's not just looking for God in all the wrong places and the fire and the earthquake and the wind. And it's, being in the wrong places being around the wrong people being you know getting engaged and fully engrossed in the world and not even listening for god and then you wonder my goodness why is my why is my christian life going down the toilet why can't i why can't i hear god but the question is are we listening to god are we listening for god we need to spend time spend our time focus spend our hearts Spend our lives focused on Him. I want you to do something for me this week, really for yourself. But here's what I'd like you to do: I would like you to fast this week, one day, just one day, and we'll do a Jewish fast, sun up to sundown. All right? So just drinking s- fluids from sun up to sundown. Now don't don't cheat and eat like a huge meal before sun up, and then a huge, you know. Uh, just what your the goal is to is to t- take some time and listen to God. Take some time. Pick a day where you think you have the most time, where you can spend time in prayer, where you can spend time reading the Word of God, and just take that time and listen to God. And maybe you have some questions that you need answered. You're going through some difficulties in life. You want to grow in a particular area and you're finding it difficult. Spend some time and just listen to God. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, We all... He says, we all. Transformation is not for just some Christians, it's for all Christians. Some people think it's, you know, that, tr- that transformation, that true growth only comes to these super, superhero Christians somehow. It's like these super duper Christians, they're the ones who, no, that's not true. Paul specifically says, all, we all, we all transformation change supernatural changes for everyone we can all become more like him that's god's desire he didn't make you so that you know oh you're on the sideline here he's not concerned about you becoming conformed to the image of his son jesus christ of course god specifically calls you and me and every other believer in jesus christ to be conformed to the image of his son we all see nobody can go back and start a new beginning obviously none of us no one's capable of going back and starting a new beginning but anyone can start today and make a new ending i love that any one of us can start today. You can't go back and start over. We can start today and make a new ending. I love that about the Christian life. I really do. God wants to change each one of us, no matter where we are, no matter what we have done. Change is coming. Change is coming. My friend, it isn't how you start it's how you finish. In the Christian life, that's what matters. It doesn't matter how you start. Obviously, you can start out great. That's fine. But it doesn't truly matter how you start. What matters for God is how you finish. No matter where you start in your Christian walk, God will accept you. But God won't leave you there. It doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. I asked Bill to come and just share how God has been changing his life.
1: Got a great sound guy. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Much better. (laughs) Um, Jeff asked me to just stop for a minute and talk this morning for just a few minutes about how my faith and my relationship with jesus christ have changed my life now i've got to tell you uh... he said that i only had a few minutes and when i stopped and started to think about all the concrete ways that my faith has changed my life i had this kind of laid out and i was going to be continuing to talk through today next sunday and the (laughs) sunday after that is that okay with you guys I'm what Jeff refers to as a baby Christian. I accepted Jesus Christ into my life about a year and a half ago. Um, I, I don't know if he picked that term for me. I mean, I kind of fit it, the you know, the bald guy, uh, <laughs> the, the little, you know, short kind of chubby cherub type. <laughs> I don't know if that's his word for just me or not. Since that day, though, uh, the changes that have been made in me, it would be easier to to talk about the things that hadn't changed rather than to talk about the things that have. So this morning, since he cut me down just a few minutes, I'm just going to hit a couple of the high points. The greatest and the most important change that's happened in my life has been in my relationship with God. Now, by way of background, I was raised in the Catholic Church. Some of you I know are familiar with it. Some aren't so i'll just give you a thumbnail view here the catholic church is very ritualized um, when you come into church it's always the same prayers the same songs at the same time in the same order you stand up at the same time you sit down at the same time you kneel at the same time so it's pretty predictable and that's a good thing in some ways you know what to expect i took a, a very good friend of mine to church with me i had Uh, you know from the time literally that I was born I went to church every Sunday morning without fail and on the holy days and I had a Catholic education from grade school through high school which at that time meant that you started your day with mass and then there was religion class besides during the day after high school I fell away from the church just wasn't interested in it and a few months before I came here to Grace Chapel I had started going back to mass again every week because you know there was something missing in my life didn't really know what it was but there was something that wasn't there so I took a good friend with me to uh, mass one morning one Sunday morning and when we came out she had this totally blank stare on her face and just kind of a puzzled look and she said you're coming to church with me next week and I want you to be prepared for the same culture shock that I've just had. (laughs) So I thought, okay, didn't quite know what to expect, came in, got a bagel, hey, great start. (laughs) Came in, sat down, listened to this wonderful worship band that we have here, listened to Jeff preach. And I'll tell you, I don't know about you, but in the time that I've been coming here, to me, Jeff is talking so many times just to me. Nobody else, just me. I'm sure some of you have experienced that too. By the time that service was over, I literally walked out of here shaking. Inside and outside, I was shaking. Within a couple of weeks, a lot of thought and a lot of prayer later, I'd given myself to Jesus Christ. I asked him to take over. I started to become more and more committed to my relationship with God. Now, I had been involved in church at various times in my life before, but I had never had this level of commitment. That is significant. If you don't know what the difference is between involvement and commitment, I'll give you an assignment. Jeff gave you homework to not eat. I'm going to give you a homework to go eat. Go have breakfast this morning. And when you have your bacon and eggs or your bacon and sausage, I want you to think for a minute. The chicken that gave you the eggs was involved in your breakfast. The pig was committed. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, when you cross that line between involvement and commitment, when that internal switch is thrown, whatever it causes or whatever causes that to happen, amazing things start to happen. You know, before that day, I'd come to church on Sunday morning, and that hour was God's hour. That was God's. The rest of the week was mine. I had to plan everything. I had to do everything by myself. That week was, or that hour was God's. Very shortly thereafter, I started to talk to God every, eh, couple of days. Now, I wasn't praying. I was talking to Him. And then it got to be every day. Then it was several times a day. And now some people think I'm nuts because I walk around and I talk to him all the time. It's a running conversation from the minute I get up in the morning and I say, hey, God, thanks for getting me up on this side of the dirt today and thanks for the job that I've got, to nighttime when the last thing before I go to sleep, I say, God, thank you for what you've given me today. Forgive me for what I've done today. Let's make tomorrow a little better. So... He is at this point in the relationship, not only my God, my Lord, my Savior, he's actually my best friend. I can talk to him about anything. And I know he's going to understand. No matter what I do, no matter how badly I screw up in the course of a day, I know and I've learned that I can come to him and say, I'm really sorry for what I did. I'm really sorry I screwed up. And I know that he's gonna be there saying, hey, no biggie, come on back. My whole outlook on life has changed. You know, Jeff calls it an eternal perspective. I've heard him say that a lot in the year and a half that I've been here. I can't really put my finger on exactly when it happened, but sometime between that day, a year and a half ago, and today, I started to not pay as much attention to all the junk that happens during the day. You know, so what if I have a little hassle at work? So what if I disagree with somebody about something? When you're only looking at a short period of time, you know, that 70 or 80 or 90 years or whatever it is that we're here on earth, a week or a month or whatever it is can, I mean, that's a big chunk of time. But when you get to that 30,000 foot perspective and you look at an eternity, that week means nothing. That day means nothing. That conversation means nothing. So all of that stuff just becomes stuff, and you don't worry about it. I also used to be really concerned about, you know, having the best car, the newest car, the nicest clothes, the biggest house. I'm a really big toy freak. I love my gadgets. Had to have the newest ones basically when they came out. I've come to realize that, again, it's just stuff. So when I pushed that aside, and again, I didn't do it consciously, it just happened. When that stuff was gone, I had time for better stuff, like spending time with my kids. I've got five great kids, and I got to spend more time with them. And I got to develop a relationship with them that I wasn't able to develop because I was involved with too, much other, too many other things. Um, one of the things I'm happiest, and proudest of is the fact that my daughter is in church with me every Sunday morning now and that wasn't through anything that I talked to her about it wasn't anything that I consciously did she saw the changes she was interested she's here every Sunday morning I've also changed who I spend my time with instead of worrying about you know what group is gonna go to what party this week and You know, where are we going to go? I spend my time with people here. I spend my time with people who are all a part of this body of Christ that I've become a part of. And the neat thing is, you know, I don't know most of you yet. I will, but I don't know most of you yet. But the minute I meet you, we've already got something in common. We're all a part of the same thing. We have common goals. We've got a lot in common. We talk. We sing. You know, Some of us don't sing very well, but Jeff says we're supposed to make a joyful noise anyway. I take him to heart on that. We do things together. We serve other people, and it's fun. It's really enjoyable to do that. Now, most of these things, again, to to you who haven't met me, aren't very apparent. There's one thing, though, that I can point to very specifically. I started to smoke when I was 12 years old. Yeah, 12. Um, told you about going to, to Mass in the morning. I used to sneak off the school bus with a couple of friends of mine, go to an alley that was down by the school, and start smoking in the morning. Great way to start a day in grade school. That continued, and I had gotten up to the point where I was smoking about two and a half packs a day. Over that 40 years, I tried pills, patches, hypnosis, acupuncture. Do you know that when you have acupuncture to quit smoking, they put a needle in your ear and you have to wear it around for a couple of weeks? I tried lozenges. I tried everything there was. And normally I'd go for about a week, if that long, and it would start again. After I had found a relationship with Christ and after I'd seen some of the things that He had done in my life, one day I said, God, I want to quit smoking. I've smoked for 40 years. You know, I'd kind of like to see grandchildren. I'd kind of like to be able to grow up with them. I can't do it. I don't have it in me. All I did was say to my friend, help me stop. It's too big for me. I picked a day. The kids were over. Um, I cooked dinner. The kids were over. I smoked the last cigarette. I put it out. And I have never and it's been six months now, never had a single solitary craving for a cigarette. Mm. And don't, don't clap for me because the glory is his. Everything, mm. it all is him. I mm. tried everything that I could. I tried to control it myself. I couldn't do it. Mm. He did it. Do I have a long way to go? Yeah, I still got a long way to go. I'm still a baby. You know, uh, it took me four years in law school to learn basically about 300 years of civil law. I've got a long way to go to learn thousands of years of eternal law. But, yeah, I'm working on it day by day. I try and make changes day by day. The thing is, the neat thing is that instead of just wandering around trying to figure where I was going, now I've got a road map. Now I've got a set of instructions. The great big book that Jeff carries around, I actually bought one of those when I was <laughs> over 50. It's the first Bible I'd ever bought in my life. And you know what? I read it. It's amazing. Okay, the thing about it is, though, and you know how guys like directions. We like to read directions. I'm not wandering around anymore aimlessly. I know where I'm going. My life has got a purpose and a direction. I really thank all of you for being a part of this new life of mine, and I hope to get to meet all of you soon. Thanks very much. Great job, great job.
0: You know, it's been exciting over the past uh, two or three months. We've seen about 50 people um, give their lives to Christ here at Grace Chapel. Um, and, and to have Bill come up and share that. Yeah, amen. Let's, let's. Thank you, Lord. And I love it when we have an opportunity. The leadership of the church, uh, we all love it when we have an opportunity for those people to come up and give their testimony. I ask sometimes, and people are a little bit nervous, and, but I just want to encourage you. Bill did a wonderful job. He really did, sharing sharing his heart. Um, but if, if you're just uncomfortable, you can just write everything down and read it. You never have to even look up at anyone. It's not a performance, okay? No one's saying, you know, oh, they didn't speak as well as, you know, Pastor Jeff, you know. No one cares. All they want to do is hear your story, right? I mean, honestly, let's just be honest. Do you care if a person comes up and reads the whole thing? No. No, because they're not performing, they're sharing their story. They're sharing how Christ has changed their life. So if that's been something that you've, if you've accepted Christ and you've not had a chance to share your testimony, make sure you just give me a ring and I want to hear it because I love to use testimonies uh, on Sunday mornings. All right. right, um, Second Corinthians Uh, Chapter 3, verse 18 continues. It says, with ever-increasing glory, with ever-increasing glory. Now, this phrase suggests that, that this transformation is progressive. We've talked about this already. Uh, change the change is progressive it's ongoing and this is what paul is saying with ever-increasing glory it doesn't happen all at once it but it's gradual it happens gradually and i love that i love the idea that that god is working on me because you know there are some things in my life and there are some things in your life that brother and sister you've been working on for years you know and you sit back sometimes and think gosh, don't you think I'd be over this already? Don't you think I would have grown past this impatience problem that I have or my anger problem? I, I still, it still flares up every once in a while. And yeah, it still flares up every once in a while, but it's, it's progressive, it's ongoing. God's gonna continue to work in your life. You see, we have a sinful nature. We're born with a sinful nature. When we accept Christ, we have a new nature. But that old nature doesn't just go poof and disappear. It's, there's a battle going on, and the new nature is basically, over time, overwhelming the old nature, and that's what's happening in your life. Paul said it. You know, what I don't want to do, I do. When I, what I want to do, I don't do. It's frustrating. This is Paul. So it's not just you or me. It's just we're human beings, and it's progressive. It's, it happens gradually. You know, God's going to do the, sometimes you say, hey, I'm going to stop. God, help me to stop smoking. Boom. and God does it. It's a miracle. It's amazing how God can do that sometimes. He does that in our lives. There are other people in this church have prayed for specific things and overnight God has just healed, God has transformed, God has changed. He can do that. He's God. Usually though, usually it happens over a period of time as we give our lives to Christ and we submit ourselves to Him and we lay those things at His feet and say, God, you need to own this. You're not only the savior of my life, you're the Lord of my life. I give you this. So it happens gradually. The Bible calls it sanctification. Sanctification, that means being set apart for God. God has set you apart for himself. It means being made holy. And that being made holy is an ongoing process. It happens over the span of our entire lives. Paul said that we are being transformed present tense not that we have been transformed i accepted christ and i have been transformed past tense you know what i mean the rest of you it's an ongoing process for me when i accepted christ perfection happened immediately you know and you can tell right you know you know you guys know i'm your pastor perfection no not at all not at all it is a is present tense It's not past tense, it's an ongoing process, being transformed, sanctification, just a big word, theological word for, it's a progression, it means we're being made holy, we are set apart for God, and we're being created in the image of Christ, ongoing throughout our entire lives, transformation, therefore, involves a progress, a growth progress, you know, we we expect those who have been baby Christians, like, like Bill, we, we expect that they're going to be a little less progress in the last year and a half. I mean, as much as a person should progress in a year and a half. We're not expecting, we're not expecting to see the incredible, massive growth in every area of a person's life when they're six months old as a, as a believer. It's kind of what bothers me about people who say Christians are hypocrites. Now, You know, we all know when we see someone who's been a Christian for a long time and they just do something ridiculous, you go, that's just, you know, come on. I don't know what you want to call it, but none of us are happy about it. But how can you call a Christian a hypocrite? I, when people say that, I, I like them to come to church and I say, well, point the hypocrite out to me. Is it the person who just walked in for the first time off the street? Is that the hypocrite you're, you're seeing in the church? Is it the person who's been a Christian for a year? So in other words, if they haven't progressed to your standard of perfection in a year, they're a hypocrite. Is that, is that right? Or a five-year-old, is that person a hypocrite? I mean we're all in process. We're all in a growth process. We're all being sanctified. We're all growing over a period of time. Sure, we make mistakes. Sure, we fall short. Sure, we don't live up to what the standard of what Jesus Christ uh, gives us all the time. But we should all be in process. We should all be growing. We should all be changing. We should all be transforming. But that takes time. That's a process. So the next time someone calls someone a hypocrite, explain that to them. Don't stick up for the person and say, well, you know, don't make excuses, but just explain to them. The crit- sanctification, use whatever words you want, this transformation, this change is a process. It's ongoing. And all we can expect is to continually give our lives to Christ and allow Him to bring about that change. Now, obviously, like I said, we should expect more growth from those who have been Christians for a longer period of time; those who have grown in Christ, mature Christians. Here's what they've done: they have made their Christian life a priority. It, like, like Bill said, you know, it's not just Sunday morning is God's and the rest of the week is mine. You wanna, you wanna see no growth in your life whatsoever? Try that. Try living that out saying that sunday is is the church time sunday is my religious time sunday is my god time the rest of the life of my life is my time no way you grow no way no way not not a chance Teach and apply, teach and apply, teach and apply you learn and throughout the week you, you you apply what you've learned you apply it, you apply it, you apply it you read the Word of God throughout the week, you apply that to your life you, 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 you learn and you apply constantly Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all week long that's how you grow. mature Christians understand mature Christians. The Bible says, let us not get in the habit of, of not meeting together. Mature Christians, I don't know one mature Christian I've ever met in my entire life that does not, is not connected to the body of Christ. Not one. Oh, I can go stand under a tree and worship God. Well, sure you can if you want to, but you're not going to grow. You can connect with God, no question. You know, you can do that. But there are certain things you cannot do sitting underneath a tree talking to God. You can't serve the body of Christ. The whole the Bible talks consistently about why, why, do you, why do you use your gifts? To edify the body, to build up the body, to encourage the body. Christ is the head. We are the body. Mature Christians know that they need to be connected to the body. How can we connect to the body? Here, here this morning, pizza with the pastors. It sounds simple. After this service, we're going to go. We're going to have some pizza. We're going to talk about the church a little bit, kind of connect people a little bit. It's just connecting to the body of Christ. Wednesday, the Wednesday night connection that we have. We come together. We start out in a larger group. We break down into smaller groups. People get to know each other better. They get more connected to the body. iChurch, starting in February, February 21st. Great way to get connected to the body, to learn, to learn about your shape for ministry, how God shaped you for ministry, and to get plugged into an area of service in the body. Mature Christians understand that to be mature, to grow in my relationship with Christ, to be transformed, I need to be connected to the body. I need to, if you cut the hand off and lay the hand there, come back next weekend. I wonder what that hand will look like if it's cut off from the body. Nappy. Nasty. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Got to get connected, got to get the blood flowing through, you got to use that It's part of the body that this hand is necessary for the church, and that's how we grow. Paul speaks of those who do not grow in, in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, when he says this, he says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need, to, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Who by constant use, Paul is challenging every single one of us here, He's saying, you know what? Some of you mature, some of you older Christians born a long time ago, born again a long time ago, he said, you need to step it up. You're drinking milk. You're like an infant. You're drinking milk when you should be, you should have the ability to teach. You should have the ability to serve and invest in the lives of the people in the body even more so, discipling people, encouraging people, uh, evangelizing, all these things. It's not happening. You need to stop right now where you are. Paul is saying, stop drinking milk and go on to eating solid food. Grow in your relationship with Christ. Be transformed. Sanctification is an ongoing process. Why are you standing still? He's saying you should be growing in your relationship with Christ. So it's, a, it's an encouragement to each one of us to move on. Get out, of the, get out of your diapers. Stop drinking milk. You know, put the clothes on. Put the our full armor of God on and go to work. The Christian life, my friends, is not static. It is, it, is a, it, is a, it is a progressive, it is a dynamic process that we go through. And, and, and change should be coming about all the time in our lives. It should be consistent change that you and I are going through. It may be tiny steps, but you know what? If I took the next day and I only went, meh, maybe a half an inch, And I took an entire day. It may not look like I'm going very far when I'm going a half an inch, but I guarantee you, give me enough time, like 24 hours, I'll be over wherever, down the street. Doesn't look like very much, but I'm moving. All we need to move is a little bit. We need to to move along just a little bit. It doesn't have to be these dramatic, dynamic changes that you see. It just needs to be progression. It needs to be ongoing. We need to keep moving forward. Jesus is going that way. We need to follow him. So don't be discouraged if you don't see these monster changes in your life as a, as, a, as a young believer. Just keep moving forward. Just keep growing. Just keep changing. My friends, change is the, it's the essence of life. It's what life is all about. You need to be willing, you and I need to be willing to surrender who we are for what we could become. You need to be able to step back and you need to be willing this morning to surrender who you are right now for who you could become. God loves you for who you are right now. But you know what? He doesn't want to leave you where you are right now. I don't care if you're a teenager. I don't care if you're, if you're over 60. It doesn't matter. God is not going to accept you to say, well, you know, I'm a little older now, so it's time for me just to stop growing. He will tell you to stop growing when you stand face to face with him and by that time your sanctification is done because it's an earthly thing you get a glorified body and you've arrived okay but until that time as long as you're still breathing God expects you to keep growing God expects that transformation to keep taking place. And do not wait until you're old enough. Once once you've kind of done all your stuff or anything, then you can, you know, down the road, then I'll get serious about God. God, show me in the Bible where it says you can be a teenager and not get serious about God until later on in your life. It doesn't say that at all. If you're younger here this morning, God expects you, he expects you to grow as much as he expects your pastor to grow. He expects you to grow as much as he expects me to grow. He didn't create me and say, well, Jeff Greer, I expect him to really grow. But this person over here who's 16 or 15 or 14 or 13, I don't expect them to do very much. Nah, it's all right. I created him one way. I created him a different way. It's ridiculous. God expects us all to grow. He expects us all to keep moving forward. We need to give up who we are for who we could become. Change is coming, and it never stops. You should be encouraged. Change is coming in your life, and it never stops. He never gives up. He never lets up. He just keeps it coming. It's like you turn the faucet on and the water keeps flowing. God is never gonna stop pouring into you so that you can change every part of your existence. And the great thing is you don't have to wait You don't have to wait another moment to change because that change comes from God. That change isn't about you. It's like Bill said, again, he said, hey, hey, clap, clap for God. It's not about me. That change comes from God. And so you don't have to wait another moment. All you have to do is surrender and say, God, I want to see this change in my life. Because the Bible says that supernatural change comes from God. In 2 Corinthians 3, 18, I'll go back. It says, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit? Transformation comes from God. It starts from the inside out. It's an inside out kind of thing, my friends. I want to encourage you this morning. I truly do. I want to encourage you. Change is a part of the Christian life. Change is a part of the Christian life. Every single one of us can change. Every single one of us who knows Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit, and we can change. Just don't get in the way. Don't get in your own way. And certainly don't get in the Spirit's way. Get out of the way. I mean, some of you are not changing. The only reason that you're not changing is because you're in your own way. The only reason you're not changing is because you're stepped in the Spirit's way. You're in the Spirit's way, and God's saying, just get out of my way. Just sit down over here before you hurt yourself. Let me bring about some change in your life. Just give it to me. Tell me what you want to change, and then get out of the way. Stop blocking my progress. Stop doing everything you can to get in the way. Let me do what I do best. My friends, we need to read the word. We need to study the life of Jesus Christ, and we need to listen to God's voice. You need to read the Word of God, study the Word of God. If you want to become more like Jesus, my goodness, if you want to just become more like me, which wouldn't be anywhere near as important as becoming like Jesus, you'd at least have to figure out what I was like and what, what made me tick and how I live my life and how I handle different situations. You'd have to get to know me intimately. We want to be more like Jesus Christ, which means we need to figure out what is the mind of Christ? How did Jesus live his life when he was here? What are his expectations for me? How did he handle these different situations? We need to intimately get to know him so we can become more like him. We can change. You can change. Not one person here, okay, Can it, it, this, is, this is for every single person here. We can change through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can change the power of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification is the gift that just keeps on giving. Sanctification, that ongoing process of being made holy, is is a gift that just keeps on giving. Until you take your last breath, God will continue to pour into you to change. My friends, this is important. Because we, we, we get caught up in, I want to change right now. You may not be able to change your destination in a day, but you can, tra- you can change your direction in a day. Please listen to this. Everyone just listen to me. Just You may not be able to change your destination in one moment or one day, but you can change your direction in one day, one choice that you're gonna allow God to begin to change your life. I heard that it takes one of those big monster ships 17 miles to change direction. That's what I was told, if I'm wrong, someone else lied. But I heard it, ta- it, took, it, takes, se- <laughs> it takes 17 miles, but you get the point, it takes 17 miles to turn one of those huge ships in a, di- in a different direction. But all you need to do is begin the change. You need to begin the change. And God will, 17 miles, doesn't matter, 17 years, God will change that 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 direction and he will lead you to your ultimate destination. God's will will not be thwarted in your life if you just give your life to him. He will change you. He will change, he will change the destiny of your life. It doesn't matter where it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've been through. God can take all those things and he can change them. He can turn them around. He can change your destiny. He can change who you are as a person and the direction you're going right now. We just need to be able to, to, just bow your heads with me for a moment. Let's pray as we close. We just need to be able to give our lives to him, to surrender our lives to him, to make that first choice, To say, God, I want to change. And when you make that first choice to just submitting your life to Him, you unleash the power of Christ in your life. You unleash the power of His resurrection in your life. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, try it and see what happens. God, we want to change. We want to change our lives for you. We may not understand what sanctification completely means and glorification completely means and justification completely means, but God, we know this. We know we want to change, and we know you can do it. So Father, we may not understand it all. We may not understand how you're going to turn this ship. We may not understand what all this, how it all works, but we, we, are, we, are, we are trusting in you. We lay, we're laying our lives at your feet, and we're saying, Lord God, we want to get out of your way. We want to begin that transformation progress, that process. And so, Father, we, we give it to you this morning. Each person here this morning, we give it to you. We lay it at your feet. We know change is coming. We know that change is coming, and it's coming every single day, every single moment of our lives until we are conformed to your image. And God, we praise you for that. We praise you for it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great week, and I will see you all back here, if you can, on Wednesday night, 6.30.